Hello everyone, this is Fernando and we are on Flix Critics. Today we have a down-to-earth, very, very kind hip-hop artist named Heart Cell. So what's up, man? Hey, what's poppin', bro? It's all good, man. And today we are going to be talking about the original 1992, I believe, Candyman. But yeah, what's been going on, man? How you been going up? You know, man, just really focusing on ministerial credentials, being a father of two girls, and uh, just in trying my best to enjoy life with us being in quarantine. Have you been able to make music during this pandemic? I've just really been just focusing on being the best father that I could be. Gotcha. Lately, lately I have been getting creative again because, you know, sometimes you can kind of lose the spark and then you'll hear something or be inspired by something. And uh, those creative juices have just recently been bubbling up and I've been getting ideas for new material. Yeah, I heard like your recent track, Fighter, man, you were spitting like crazy. Like, I noticed you had that really quick percussion type of style. Like, what got you into that type of style of uh, hip hop? Yeah, so for me, uh, I started doing hip hop music in 2008 and then I converted over to Christian hip hop in 2014 when my first album, Son of Heart, came out. And someone that really inspired me with, you know, being, I guess you could say, bars for bars really fast type of a spitter would be Andy Minio. Uh, he really got me into that fast rapping type style. Yeah, because like the one that I've been getting into lately was, well, I've been always been into is like Tech 9 like he had that really like percussion-y type of sound for mm -hmm. um, Eminem. And like I, when I was listening to your, uh, when I was listening to your song, I was like, oh, okay, I heard a little bit of them in this. So that's really, really, really cool. And I noticed that you, you're not like mumble rappers, which you actually mentioned that in the song too, which I thought that was hilarious. You're not like that type of style, more of like a down to earth narrative hip hop artist. Yeah, I just believe being, you know, real and being true to yourself as an artist and sharing your faith and your experiences. I think that's what we need right now in music rather than a, a fake narrative or a false story that's in a lot of the hip hop and rap genre. What made you get into Christianity uh, music? if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, so for me, I grew up in the church and I seen a whole lot of hypocrites, a lot of people that were judgmental. I had people tell me, you know, that I had demons and that I was, you know, I, I guess you could say a Hellraiser kid because I wore a lot of black. I was into the whole that whole punk pop scene with black fingernails, Liberty Spikes, eyeliner, you know, in the early 2000s. So... Like I said, I've always been a black sheep and stuff and always been different. Even now, I still have, you know, my ear gauges, but I had a lot more piercings back then. But <laughs> jobs don't hire when you got a bunch of stuff in your face. So, but back then, I guess it was more of like trying to figure out who I am, who I was. And in the midst of the adversity of some of the religious structure and people falsely representing Jesus Christ at that time, that played a big role into how I wanted to write and present myself in making Christian music. Because at that time and era, it was always like when Christian bands or Christian hip hop artists come out, like, you know, T-Bone, KJ52, and the list goes on and on with the early uh, CHH artist era. A lot of times it was like, they were always trying to be like Eminem or try to be like Snoop Dogg or always try to be like who was mainstream. And it, it kind of created a false narrative of 
Christian music is a, I guess, a a supplement of music that you can listen to as a Christian that's not so negative in the message that's given out. So there was a stigma that was put on Christian music, especially Christian hip-hop, that it's cheesy or it's not as good enough as what you hear on mainstream radio. For me, I kind of really agreed with that because when in the early stages, the the recording industry and things wasn't so easy and accessible as it is now. A lot of the production, a lot of the music style and early Christian music, you know, even like Kirk Franklin, the early gospel records and stuff, a lot of that stuff was done on like when that stuff was just evolving with beat machines and things of that nature or live instrumentation. And it was just, it didn't sound as good. You know what I mean? It just, it was not up to par of what we were uh, hearing, you know, with, you know, Missy Elliott, Nelly, the new stuff that was coming out on Kiss Mm -hmm. FM radio and things of that nature. And it was very hard for me to want to listen to a message in in the gospel and, and and something to build, encourage and edify me when I thought the music sucked. You know what I mean? So... As I got older, the music had gone through a whole lot of changes. The production on music had gotten better in Christian industry and stuff. And I think a lot of pioneers was, you know, the reach camp and stuff for hip hop. And there was a um, a show that used to be on Sky Angel Network called uh, Radio U slash TVU. And they had like blocks of, you know, the top, the top 10 countdown. They had Christian hip hop. I think it was called One Mill at the time and battery which was for heavy metal but it was 24 7 365 total non-stop christian music and that was kind of my plug growing up into what was going on and i loved what was going on as the music evolved so when i started because i started off as a, a secular rapper and under the name j boy and then i caught so much flack because of soldier boy and uh, when he come out so it was like you know you're copying him you're ripping him off and even then, I didn't really cuss or use a whole lot of profanity in my music, but I didn't really talk about the Lord because I was afraid to talk about the Lord because I didn't want to fit in that you're cheesy. And I think a lot of it was trying to do music for the acceptance of man rather than being true to myself and being true to my personal relationship with God. And ultimately, I was new in it, so I didn't want to be a voice or a name and then fall short in my personal life. And I still to this day keep that close to me that I want to be authentic on stage and off stage. So in that approach, I did did an EP called the Mr. Hartzell EP, and then I was putting out a whole lot of singles that blew up in high school for me. And I knew I had a gift, I knew I had a a niche, I, I could really take this thing somewhere. And the Lord really got on me, I was heavily convicted that I need to do something, even with being a battle rapper in the early days. I was like, you know, I want to use my gift and my talents to build, encourage, and edify people, not tear people down and ride a wave of pride that I'm the best MC or the best rapper locally. I I just kind of didn't like that out the gate, you know what I mean? That I got to tear down someone else's gift and their, their integrity to make myself king. And uh, the Lord really convicted me and he says, you know, I'm the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you need to be using your, your gifts and your talents to bring me glory. And that was when I went into the process of recording The Son of Heart that came out in 2014. And there's a lot of crazy stuff on that record. I was still 
uh, battling with a whole lot of demons. Some of the artists that were on there weren't even Christian artists, but they wanted to be a part of the movement. And there, you know, there's songs on there where dudes are, st- are are on the influence of drugs, and we're talking about Jesus. And I believe God can use anybody. He spoke to Moses through a burning tree. So when I listen to that album and when I get into that, I, I, it really takes me back of what where I was and where God has brought me through and where he continues to take me through in my walk in life. That's really what turned me on when I was in that process of, I want to be real, I want to be authentic, and uh, I want to show people my demons and my scars, my good, my bad, everything, and be an open book and be honest with people out the gate. So when they latch on to what I'm doing, they really know the whole thing is, I'm human, I'm real, we all go through things, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, but my cup of tea is I choose to walk this life with Jesus Christ. In that process, in that stance, I want people to look at my my music as, as the legacy laid out before me so that people know through it all and through the, the seasons and the ups and downs that this is real and we can get through it and uh, there's hope and there's a future ahead of us. And doing it in a way to where it's not pushy, it's not preachy, it's just mm-hmm. me being me. You know what I mean? We have too much of that, and I believe that's falsely representing Jesus Christ and turning people off to truth. I really appreciate you uh, telling your story and uh, talking about religion. Like, I know it's a touchy subject, but, like, I really do appreciate you uh, opening up about that. Not a problem, bro. We're going to be talking about Candyman is a story about an urban legend that turns out to be true about a man who has a hook as a hand and appears to kill you when you say his name five times in the mirror. Now, when you first saw this, like, well, when you saw this, like, what did you think of it? Because I didn't I never seen this. This was like the only franchise from like the early 90s and 80s that I haven't seen. And I expected more and I did not expect what I saw. For me, man, I thought the overall storyline was very confusing. I also thought that it was um, poorly written, and it, it, it left me as a viewer in a duality of questioning if we're watching a movie on possession or if the journalist was dealing with mental health issues. Right. Um, so it, it, it left me questioning things um, and trying to fit the puzzle pieces together of the entire story. Um, and also, I think the the story behind Candyman was poorly explained, and it left me as a viewer very, very disappointed when I feel that the movie had a, a lot of potential with the uh, mythology behind Candyman. Yeah, because they were, what they were saying was like uh, the Candyman was uh, the son of a slave. And then he fell in love with the slave master's daughter. They fell in love and then the slave master got mad, so they they chopped up his hand. They put like what honey from the beehive, beehives eat him out, and then let him bleed to the wood. I was like, geez. But like, I th- when I first saw this, I agree with what you were saying. Like, I didn't know if it was uh, what was her name, um, Haley. How- I forget her name. The the the, the main character. I know the I know the actor's name, but I, I'm not sure of what her name was. I was too busy trying to put it together in my mind of what was happening. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it. I in my mind, I thought if it, it was either in her head or it was because like 
he was making it look like she did it is because like he was against like Caucasian because of what happened to him as in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought that was the main reason. But it turns out like I think because they showed an ending like he said it was always you, it was always you. Mm-hmm. What I thought was maybe it was because she looked like his lover, mm-hmm. and I was like why like he cared for her so much and he didn't make her a victim because it was like a reflection of who he fell in love with and so he passed on what he did to other people to her you know mm-hmm. as a gift and i was like but i, I understand what you're saying though because i i expected so much more from this but i'm very disappointed mm-hmm. um, on how they per- did the whole film helen that's her name yes. that's her name i think also there's there's also a part two and a part three Mm-hmm. So I think like maybe if you were to see part two and three, they explain it a little more. But I don't know, man, because after watching part one, I don't even know if I want to see part two. Right, man. It, to me, it was like a, a really uh, bad, cheesy Stephen King type flick, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. And so I, I was like, you know, you, even you talking about it kind of, uh, that's what I mean. Like there was so much more behind the story of Candyman. I did like the commentary, the background of them actually trying to break things down because I had lots of questions after watching the film. And um, so after I went through, it kind of helped me connect the dots. But I, I just kept saying like, it was absolutely stupid. I don't even know if I want to even watch the second, the, you know what I mean? The, the continuation right. of the storyline. Because there was so many uh, spaces in the film that were open for critique or, or questioning, you know? And uh, like you were saying, like him being a slave master, him might, you know, him having an agenda due to his death and stuff. I think even that being uh, played out or having a little bit more depth to it in the film would have helped out greatly. But it seemed like even with them being very brief about the the story of Candyman, uh, what was literally happening in the film with the the um, Helen being the journalist and and mm-hmm. her doing what she was doing was totally contrary to her being a victim or being the main role in the film for Candyman to attack. You know what I mean? Like there was two different things happening going on and. I personally thought that it was like forced with them trying to connect the dot of her being that person that he chooses to do what his agenda was. Right. And it was, I don't know, it was really confusing. And then like, there was like a part where like, there was a copycat, I guess you can say, like he was trying to say that he was a candy man, then he wasn't. And then like, it kept going from one location to another. And then the whole like cousin thing, it got on my nerves when he actually uh, cried in the end. Cause he actually, when, <laughs> when, when because when they put her in the psych when they put Helen in the psych and all of a sudden oh no my my wife my ex-wife is is, is dead now mm-hmm. I left her for a, a a college kid you know and I was like who who do you think you are like now you want to cry boohoo and miss her even though you cheat on her all these times yeah I mean even she said to him she was like you're all I had dude when she got out of the the hospital the psych ward and He's just staring at her looking all like, I thought he was a super corny character, but I think that's the way he was written to be. Um, But I'm like, man, like you got this, this wife that's that's beautiful and you you gotta do her like that because you think she's crazy. So, I mean, me personally at the end when he was crying and stuff, I I was like, get over yourself, bro. Uh, You had that coming, you know what I mean? 
So I agree with you on that. It was ridiculous. Now, if you were the director, what would you do to change it? Um, for me, uh, I would have to say like they need to. They, I think the 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 idea of Candyman should have been uh, written out a little bit better. Um, I think them transitioning. The transitions were horrible in the movie, um, especially with um, when Helen uh, goes into the, um, I guess you could say, fire pit at the end to save the baby. She comes out and she was literally on fire, and but she's alive, alive and well, and she hands the baby to the mother of the child. And next scene, she's in a casket. And I had to go back into like the director's notes that uh, because of her fire burns that she suffered and died from that. But it that wasn't well explained enough in the movie. So as a, a director, me personally, I think that they should have went in a more uh, a better explanation of really truly what was happening and uh, go into a little bit more depth on Candyman, what his agenda was. Um, I think a little bit better actors, like we were talking about with Helen's husband, uh, yes. really bad uh, acting and performance. So I, I think a little bit of a stronger cast. And I mean, it being from 92 slash 93, I understand that they didn't have what we have now. So for me, I think with our new technology, we can improve on that. Well, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm going to disagree with that because like a lot of films from horror films in the '90s, like even though they didn't have what we have now, they were able to mm-hmm. still pull off like certain type of scenes. But for I, this I, for this type of genre, I can understand what you're saying though because I think it would take a lot more because they're trying to do so much in a little time frame and like it didn't work out that well. And maybe like including it being 2020, that Jordan Peele's be hopping on it. Like, do you believe, like, it's going to be... It's a sequel, by the way. Um, do you believe that it'll be done better, or...? I, I, I do. Just watching the trailer and stuff, I, I think it's going to be a little bit better. But I, I do agree, though, what you were saying about there were other movies pulled off that were done better in that time era. I agree with, to, with you on that. But I think, really, what we were dealing with in watching this, and it's pretty vivid for anyone that goes on and watches the film, this was, like... I think done him with a low budget and was very rushed. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know. So uh, I, I, I think with that, in the new one that's coming out this this upcoming year, it's going to be um, a much much uh, better production. I think a better performance of the actors, just from what I've I've seen for the from the trailer and stuff. So we yeah. will see. Actually, that grown man in the film—that's the baby from part one. Oh. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did. I I heard. I heard. I was curious because I saw the mom from the first one in the in the in the previews, and then I remembered they were saying in the trailer like his name was Anthony, and I remembered the baby in the first one, his name was Anthony. Mm-hmm. So that could be why the Candy Man is wanting him to be the next Candy Man because like he was on it was unsuccessful what he was supposed to do to the baby. And so that's what happened. So, and, and I and I also hope because when Helen died and come back to be like the tormenting spirit for yeah. her husband, I hope they bring some solution or on that a little bit better in, in this new film. I, I really think that it's not even going to be brought up. But like I said, there was so many 
open-ended things in the first film. Maybe I just do need to go back and watch the other ones to see if there's any closure. On- yeah, that's what a lot of them do these days. They do like they make it mysterious. They do that on purpose so that mm-hmm. so they, that they force you to watch part two and three because maybe like part two is like a prequel to watch right. part one or part three. So yeah, but I, I think, but I, what I personally think is the new one, like you said, it might be really focused in on the baby and the possession of, you know. The background is that child being a baby in adolescence, him that him being the next victim to carry out the will of Candyman. I think that's really what the, the lens is going to be focused on. But I hope that they don't uh, direct it and shoot the movie in a way where you're sitting there battling of, is does this person have mental health issues? Or are they really yeah. being protected by Candyman? You know? Yeah. And, and judging by the trailer, like it, it looks like it's all in order. It seems to make sense because if the, if the freaking trailer, because a lot nine times out of ten, the trailer is like, what's going on? But this age, they're like straightforward. What's going to be happening? It seems like it's going to be way more, uh, way more uh, detailed than it was with the first one. So I really yeah. hope they do pull it off correctly because, like, man, I expected so much, and I was stressing out, especially when it comes to not to be um, uh, segregated, segregated, but like um, or segregated. If that's the right word. There's a lot of African American films. Like when it comes to horror, it's too uh, stereotypical and it's not as it's not good. Because I've noticed that when it comes to horror film, it's always the same exact culture. Mm-hmm. I respect Jordan Peele because when he directed Get Out, he was able to show that yes, uh, African Americans can uh, pull this off too. Because right. because if you notice, like you know, like Leprechaun, Leprechaun in the Hood is always the same bullcrap. It always has to do with like being in the hood or you know, being stereotypical, and that's that will kind of turn me off, which I don't mind that, but it kind of makes it look like we're all like that, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it puts a stigma on, you know, African American, African Americans, and I think that's just wrong. Like, for example, like Boys in the Hood, it made sense because, you know, it's talking about that area. But, like, mm-hmm. when it comes to every freaking, especially in the horror genre, it's always the same exact, exact thing. And yeah, so I, and it makes it very biased. An approach, you know what I mean, and yeah. uh, I think I agree with you. I, I think being a little bit more creative, putting a little bit of a, a twist on on the, I guess, because they do a lot of that stuff because they believe that's what horror fans or the cult following wants. You know what I mean? But I, yeah. I agree that they need to do something fresh and new, kind of like the movie Us. I know we're not yeah. talking about that. But to me, that had a, a really fresh and new um, feel for you know that genre. Us, us seeing, you know, African-Americans playing out those roles. It's very, very uh, well done movie in that aspect. Right. And that's what that's why that's why I like uh, respect Jordan Peele. Like I wasn't even mad when he was saying uh, he only wants to audition African-Americans in his films. I wasn't mad when he said it because a lot of people got offended by that. I thought he was a racist. No, mm-hmm. the reason why he said that is because like we see the same exact nationalities and culture in horror films all the time. So he wants to break that wall and show that hey what about this different perspective what about this different perspective and mm-hmm. so that's how i respect them that's why i, I really believe like it, when it comes talks about the candy man it shows like a photographer whereas what i've noticed like if you notice in a lot of his films the main character is almost like an artist or a creative mm-hmm. like in the mm-hmm. first thing out the guy was a photographer and then in the candy man uh anthony on he's a photographer too and it shows like the creative aspect as well and it shows like that i really uh, thought was really cool you know, mm-hmm. instead of it being like, oh, this guy's a lawyer, oh, this guy's a doctor, oh, this guy's a cop, you know, shows them being creative. But you really don't even see about that in the, mm-hmm. in 
either. So I thought that that was pretty cool too. So, but I really, really do hope they do pull this off very well. So yeah, and I hope it isn't so far out. Like I don't know if you're familiar with the Halloween franchise, but like they were in order for a certain amount of time, and I believe it was like Halloween, the season of the witch, which had nothing to do with Michael Myers. So I think with this new movie coming out for Candyman. They, if, as long as they, they, like you said, being a little bit more intentional about the depth of the storyline, I think the franchise could be revived. But uh, after watching that, the original first one, it, to me, it didn't even want to, uh, being a fan of horror movies, it did <laughs> not even want, I didn't even want to continue with it. Because even when you, you were even saying like, you watched a lot of franchises from this era of time and you did not have any inkling or knowing about the Candyman hardly and I agree with you man because like I was like now I know why I never heard too much about it because it was horrible. yeah that is true that is true so I was it but I never, I never got interest to get into it until uh Jordan Peele came and so I was like huh why not give it a try you know but overall what would you what would you rate this <laughs> what what's our scale <laughs> one to five one to five, I, I would, I'd give it, uh, I, I'll, I'll be a little bit generous. I'll say a three. Wow, generous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. I would say, well, I would give it a two. That's what I yeah, do. I, I was going to say like a 2.5, three. Because like the middle of the movie for me, it, it, it got a little better. And like, yeah. I think when, when she was like in the parking lot, uh, I, I, it got a little bit better for me, and I was like, "Okay, it's getting a little bit better." And then, uh, and then she wakes up and she's on the floor, and you know, she slaughtered the the dog and stole the baby and stuff. I was like, "Okay, now it's picking up a little bit." So that's why I said I'll be a little bit generous because there were moments in the film where it had so much potential to be a rich movie to keep mm -hmm. me uh, interested, but then it was like after you hooked me. It was like the hook came undone because it just got real cheesy and was and not enough explanation, man. Right. So. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. I was totally disappointed. But, you know, it is what it is. We have our good ones. We have our bad ones. But hopefully, like Jordan Peele uh, brings it to life. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, let's see if he saves the franchise. <laughs> so uh, any final words? Um, I just want to thank you, man, for having me on the show. Uh, and being open, letting me talk about my faith and uh, just be free to, to be myself on the show. Um, I, I know there's not a whole lot of Christian hip hop artists that watch horror movies or talk about religion and put horror and religion in the same uh, mm -hmm. thing. But I, I, I don't, I definitely like to consider myself an anomaly um, and I like to be open and transparent, man. So I appreciate you for the opportunity. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, ju and just uh, being willing to to want to build with me. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate you being open and talking about that. And that, and, and that's funny you say that because uh, a lot, like even my my mom, like uh, my parent, like she's really really heavy into religion, but she grew us up on um, she grew us up on horror films, and it's like there's nothing. Well, her her defense was well, I want I want you to watch this room because you know you never know because. Mm -hmm. if this if this actually happens you'll know what to do that's what she always told us but like um similar with it when when i was younger we watched we watched halloween and uh, she was like this is what happens really on halloween they kidnap kids and this happens in the occult and and i mean some of the stuff my mom hit on was like 
it actually I, I did my homework and I'm like some of the stuff actually did happen with crazy cult followings and stuff but I was, yeah. she was like just be careful because I, I being a Christian and stuff I never participated in Halloween growing oh, up so no. Yeah, so I was like, you don't do that. That's that's the devil's holiday. That's Satan's holiday. Which I can see a hundred percent why it being you know uh, mm-hmm. a holiday that worships that culture and the dead. Um, I, I can see how that be total bipolar opposite of Christianity. So I mean, even me being grown, I, I don't participate. But that no, was no. kind of the um, <laughs> that was kind of like the open ended ideal of. I like slasher films like this. I can, you know what I mean? Like that was like the way I could, uh, you know, if I can't go out and trick or treat or I'm not participating in that, um, nobody can keep me from, from watching these movies. I never and stuff. thought that so, way. It makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, that was kind of, you know, me being a rebel as a child and be like, yeah, well, I'm going to watch, you know, Michael Myers and, and Jason. <laughs> So uh, that was kind of what I was. And, I mean, yeah, it isn't the greatest to be to be watching that all the time, but I think there's balance, man. Right. I mean, we all we all need to watch something to him. And and also, there's nothing wrong with being a, a religious and watch something like that as long as like you're not actually like believing in it and actually doing it. You know what I'm saying? That's what Again, it's like. Yeah, man. And I think that wraps around with what I was speaking about. There's, you know, God knows our heart. He knows us, you know, where we stand. Um, and, you know, there's a big difference with walking in relationship with Christ mm-hmm. and then just believing in Christ and being religious. And religion says, don't do this, don't do that. It gives you a set of guidelines and rules when it's like, you know, let the Lord deal with you on things and convict you in things and work on you. And, um, you know, I think the closer you get to Christ in your walk, the less, you know, you have an interest for certain things in your life or different areas that are not right about you will fall off, man, as you walk that thing out. And uh, I think somebody that, you know, everybody's on different playing grounds of maturity for some movie lovers and some people that are, uh, you know, highly sensitive to things like like horror and things like that, then yeah, maybe that's not for you. Maybe that's going to have a really negative effect on your spirit and on your heart. But then some people that can have a little bit of tougher hide and, um, you know, a little bit more guff and stuff, they can handle it and then also be like, that movie sucked, God. You know what I mean? so that's kind of where i stand on it it's and i think that applies with everything not just movies we watch um it it applies to what you know we're putting in our spirit with music and stuff like that like i can listen to certain bands and then i've had friends that i've done life with and they're like bro i if i listen to that it makes me depressed or it brings me down well then maybe you shouldn't be listening to that band you know what i mean so I, i think that it all applies to the individual and uh, getting super critical and judgmental about certain different things. Um, you know, if we look through time, it, it hasn't worked. Focus on you. Look at yourself in the mirror. So that's that's kind of what I'll say on my final thoughts. Thank God. And also, where can we get? Where can we find your music at? Yeah, bro. So um, I have. Well, I just released Fighter, which was what you were talking about earlier in the interview. Uh, that's my newest single. Uh, and we shot a music video for that. You can watch that on YouTube. And um, if you are like, man, I like this guy, or 
I want to check out his hip hop. I'm everywhere, bro. You, I have two albums out. Just look up my last name, Hartzell. It's my stage name. And uh, there's The Son of Heart, which is what we talked about earlier, which is my first release. And then uh, June 91, which is the second album that I put out in 2018. So those are my two albums under my belt. And then I have multiple singles that I put out recently. I did a couple uh, in 2019. And I'm even, I even got a few right now that I'm sitting on and I'm waiting for the right time to release and stuff. And uh, hopefully, uh, I don't want to give out too, uh, too many teasers, but uh, hopefully you'll be my new video guy for upcoming music videos. Nice, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, appreciate that. I appreciate that. But yeah, man, I can't wait to, I can't wait for all this COVID to stop so we can work on stuff together, man. It'll be a yeah. good time. Absolutely, bro. And I think we're going to do some pretty awesome creative visuals, man. Appreciate it. But yeah, man, I thank you for, I thank you for your time for being on Flicks Critics and it was, it was a good talk. Thank you. There we go. That's all we have for today's episode of Flicks Critics. And until next time, see ya. Peace.